All right. Jane Duncan Rogers, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches. It's a pleasure to be here. It really is. Yeah. So quick backstory. Um, Obviously, we go way back in the online world. It feels like generations almost, but I know it's not that it's, you know, but it was probably about 10 years ago, I want to say. It was eight. It was eight years ago. Almost exactly. Maybe maybe a a bit longer than that, that I was actually working with you. That's true. It was eight years ago that, um, oh my God. Right. Okay. (laughs) That's why I have to do these kind of broad brush strokes for me because I'm like, I know it's ish. But you're right, probably about eight years ago, give or take. Actually, as you're saying that, it's eight years ago that I started, officially started the company. But it was longer than that when I first published the book and when I was working with you to get clear about what the book should be and how how I would get it out there. And oh, my God, I mean, that was without that, none of this would have happened, actually. Let's just be honest. Because, you know, I learned so much from you about what to do to get a self-published book out there. And without that, it just wouldn't have happened in the way that it did. Although I must say it wasn't as I planned it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so yeah. So take me back. So what's so interesting is obviously you posted on Facebook recently after I just said, we just did our first ever kind of three-day live event for authors and you post a message. I didn't solicit it, didn't pay for it. I really appreciate it though. It was really cool to hear. I love hearing those kind of stories, those kind of um, updates from students, yeah. from clients, from people I've worked with, the authors I worked with. And yours mentioned that, you know, again, that you, we had worked together many, so, so, all these years ago. And now, of course, you have this business and you just mentioned me offline, which we'll get to in a second, I'm sure, that you're even stepping back from running the business, the day-to-day operation. So it's obviously pretty significant. So before we get there, I know that's that's the journey we're going to go on, but take me back to the beginning there. Like, you said it was different than you expected. So tell me about what, you know, if you can go back to your mindset back all those those yeah. years ago with the intention of writing your f- first book, I guess, what did you expect it to be and what did it turn out to be? Well, I knew what the, I, my husband had died in 2011 and I knew at the time, because I had been blogging as a business coach, I knew I would need to write about it. And I trusted that I would know when the time was right because, you know, I was in grief. I wasn't going to be writing anytime soon. As it was, I started writing the book uh, about maybe a couple of years after that. And as I was writing it, I got to the point where I realized, oh, my goodness, I have to get this out there in the best possible way to do justice to our relationship and to him and to the writing. And um, so I don't know. I can't remember how I first found you and your program at the time, but the program was perfect. It was like, get yourself published book out there, (laughs) which is exactly what I needed to do. So I must have been still writing it and was going through maybe the editing process and at the same time learning about the marketing and all the stuff that I had to do on Facebook and creating groups and interacting with people and all that stuff, how to get it an Amazon bestseller and all that, which it was, of course, seeing as I've been taught what to do. <laughs> uh, and it was published in August of 2015, I think it was, no, September of 2015, Gifted by Grief, A True Story of Cancer, Loss and Rebirth. So it was a very personal memoir. Now, and I'm talking about all, I'm writing about, and I write as I speak, okay? So what you hear now is what you actually read on the page. But I was writing about everything that had led up to Philip dying and then what happened afterwards for me. And it, for me, it was kind of cathartic doing that because it was quite an emotional journey writing it but um it was good as well because such a lot of amazing things had come out of Philip dying which led me to say in the end of the book that I was grateful for both his life and his death which is quite something to say anyway um 
I thought that readers would be interested in the kind of spiritual insights and all that kind of stuff, the things that had happened to me. But they landed on one particular chapter. And the chapter was when I had written about the questions that I'd asked my husband before he died. So at this stage, we knew that he only had a few months to live. And somebody emailed me, a good friend emailed me with a list of these questions. And they were things like, what kind of coffin do you want? And how do you want your body dress? And what are your passwords? Really practical things. And I really didn't want to look at it. She sent the email three times. And eventually, we sat up in bed one day, one Saturday morning with the laptop, and we answered it all. And that's what I wrote about in this chapter. So after about a week of about 10 people, one after another, telling me, I need to do these questions too, I thought, okay, I'll put on a workshop then. Yeah. And I knew how to do workshops. You know, that was my background, training and and, uh, working with, coaching with people. So I put it on and it sold out and had a waiting list. Now that's unusual where I live because I live in the north of Scotland and there's not very many people here. And that's really how the business started because it was just me. I carried on doing workshops. I started seeing people one-to-one for this particular kind of thing. And um, in the 2nd of November 2016, we incorporated as a social enterprise, a a not-for-profit company, and uh, that's where it began properly. (laughs) Wow. Well, just to point out that piece right there, it's interesting because it's one of those things where I imagine it's very uncomfortable for people. Like Mm. It's like, these are the last questions I want to be asking. I don't want to deal with this kind of stuff. Exactly. But then then you get to a point probably where you you need to. Um, And then it's like, but since we've never probably most of us have never been through such a process. The need comes from somebody who has the wisdom who has been through it. Um, yeah. That's kind of where you come in. Yeah, exactly. And I knew early on that this was a, clearly, it's going. it was a passion project. You know, it's not absolutely not the thing to do if you want to make money fast or sell anything easily to anyone, <laughs> because yeah. there's a whole education piece that has to happen because people yeah. don't realize about what is going to happen if they're not prepared in advance, if they haven't planned ahead for the inevitable. And even actually now with COVID, still people, it is better now. It's much better. But in those days, so 2016, it was like end of life planning was not a search term. I was advised not to put the word death on any of my books or any of my products because it would, you know, hamper sales. Yeah. <laughs> it's different now, but it wasn't then. And uh, it was just like, um, so I knew that I had to have another source of income for a start as a business. Always a good idea when you've got a new project starting, which I did have because I was still coaching as a small business coach and that it would take time. And I had to do this kind of like drip, drip, drip educational thing. And I did lots of that, lots and lots. And we still do that, actually, because people need it. Because you never know when somebody's going to go, oh, my goodness, I need to attend to this now. Yeah, right. So that's what we did. Yeah. And it sounds like, again, it just sounds like from the heart, it was meaningful work you were doing. Oh, yeah. Driven by that. Like, just like you said, it's like, I mean, I mean, I'm excited to talk a little bit about kind of now where it's at and kind of the bigger impact and scale that you're at. But even that, like to get something like that started. Um, it wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't be my, wouldn't be the first market I would step into. It wouldn't be something like I would try to like, let's monetize this. Like, no, no, no. No, I definitely don't recommend it. From that point of view, I do not recommend it because there've been many times when I thought, oh my God, why couldn't I chosen something that people actually want, you know, like food or toilet rolls or something. (laughs) But, you know, that's not what drove me. What drove me was people's initial response. When looking back now, I see that. I was already well known in our community and quite a lot of people in my in our community were an older age, let's say. So I was 58 when I wrote the book and I knew that, you know, 
58, okay. And I knew by now, because my husband had died, that actually it's going to happen. You know, it could happen to me too. So when I started up the company before I go solutions, I did it with the intention that I probably wouldn't want to be doing it within another 10 years or so. And so it had to be set up in a certain way so that somebody else could take it on because I wanted to leave a legacy, especially as we didn't have children. So, you know, what what was I going to be leaving behind, you know, yeah. that would contribute to the world? So I carried on, you know, kind of these two things, me doing my personal coaching and and also doing this at the same time. And and then people came to me again and said, can I train in this? But this time we had an online course, the Before I Go Method, yeah. So that was a way of people being able to do it online if they wanted to. Um, and that's how I discovered that if you don't have a live element of in your online courses, then people are probably not going to finish them. You know, they might get started, but they're probably not going to finish. But that was okay because I like doing training online. That's not a problem. But people asked, could they train in this? Could they train to teach others how to get this stuff done? And so I had already previously had this experience in my past. So I brought my plans forward by year and that then began the before I go end of life plan facilitators training, which is how we have most worked up until now. Um, I produced another book before I go, the essential guide to creating a good end of life plan. Now, interesting, I didn't do this self-published. I met somebody who worked as an editor with a publishing company. And um, anyway, long story short, it got taken up by a publisher. And uh, while on the one hand, it's been great, I didn't have to put any money behind it, which I did have for the first one. I didn't realize the lack of control I would have. So for example, I have not been able to tie that particular book in with any particular marketing campaign. Mm. And that's been really frustrating, really frustrating. So I don't know that I would do that another time. It was really nice. It was really nice for my ego to be stroked by the fact that a publisher wanted me. (laughs) And it has been quite a good seller in the bigger scheme of things. But that's not another way to make money, I can tell you. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, another time. And it will be another time because I'm hoping to write more. Um, It will be self-published. So what did we do? And then we also produced a workbook for people to complete. And um, we now have an end-of-life planning card deck as well. So that's another way to engage with this kind of stuff. So quite a lot of products, a few other bits and pieces on the website as well. And But for the most part, we've been bringing in most people to, to train as end-of-life plan facilitators, keeping the numbers small, because this is quite a delicate topic, I would say, you know. So, yes, we have grown and we have become a six-figure business, which is great because that was my aim. It's not a huge, big one, but it's a healthy one. That makes me feel very proud. So, And so who are your typical clientele then? You mentioned um, end of life. Like, So are these therapists typically? Are they like medical professionals? Like who are you? Who Who are coming to you? typically? This has been one of the other problems. It's like, you know, the market actually, because everybody's going to die. Is available for everybody. But of course, we all know as marketers that that's not a good idea. You have to have a much more niche market. So for the facilitators training, the people tend to be either have a background in nursing, be a health professional of some kind. It could be in the complementary field, uh, coaches, counsellors, later life lawyers, um, financial advisors, that sort of person. For 
And believe it or not, most of those people still haven't done their own end of life plan, which, by the way, is a whole lot more than just the legals, which is what people know about or they they think about estate planning. But actually, there's lots more to it than that. So that's the market for the training. The market that we've gone to for just getting your end of life plan done is the older market. So people probably 65 plus who, you know, probably realize that actually they've got less time to live than they have already lived and uh, need to do something about this. And they're usually those people have had some kind of a a brush with death, i.e. somebody that they know has died and they've seen the mess that is left behind from an administrative point of view. And, you know, I always say to people, don't think you are going to die. One day you're going to die. That's just the way it is. You know, we can't have life without death and vice versa. But it's much easier to think about the impact this kind of stuff has if you think about if I had died yesterday, what would be happening from an administrative point of view? You know, I mean, all you have to do in the face of that question is look around your room and all the stuff. I'm looking around my room right now and there's loads of stuff. Now, because, of course, I'm uh, somebody who thinks that I can't possibly teach this without being full of integrity myself. I know what's going to happen to it all. You know, I've left instructions, general instructions, because I'm not, I don't hope, I hope I'm not going to die anytime soon. But uh, yeah, I think that defining the market was difficult and it's still quite a challenge. Although there are, you know, I think you have kids, don't you, under age? Under yes. age kids? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So really important market here is people with underage kids who haven't yet done a will and specified who would look after their children if they, both parents, happen to die. I mean, it's unlikely, but it does happen. So anyway, I'm not going to ask you what you've done, Tom, but I'm just putting it out there. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. So it's like, that's why I'm kind of curious. I I was going to ask, like, is this something that is driven by like uh, typically the individual who's who maybe say had that that brush or something, um, you know, something woke them up or or is it typically maybe like a spouse or something like that, too? Like, or is it kind of a a mix? And then yeah, I got some more questions, too. Okay, no, that's great. I love questions. You know. It can be either the adult children of with parents who are aging and they can see what is happening. And they maybe they're like, like, for example, there was one woman, her name is Audrey. She this is in one of our early courses. She came. It was an in-person course before COVID. And she turned up one night and she was in tears because she just she didn't know. She was looking after her parents, caring for them both. And she didn't know if they had a will. She didn't know anything else, but she certainly didn't even know if they had a will. And she was terrified of speaking to them because she didn't want them to think that, you know, she was wanting to bump them off or whatever. So we were speaking to her and giving her, you know, good ways to be able to broach the subject. And she promised that she would do it. And she came back. She was in tears, though, because she was really frightened. But she came back the following week with a big smile on her face because she had plucked up the courage. She'd done it in the way that we had suggested. And the parents, it was wonderful. The parents breathed a huge sigh of relief because they had been wondering about how to broach the subject with their daughter. Now, that happens more often than not. So it does take courage. You know, one person has to have some courage to broach this subject, whether it's from the older parent of the adult children or the other way around. That's the way it usually happens. But it could be friends as well. And uh, yeah, yeah, it could be friends. It can be anything. But it's usually a mix of those two things happening. It dawns on people, actually. There's something that at the very least we need to know about is, is there a will and what it actually says? 
Right. Which is, which is kind of the legal question. I think you were kind of alluding to that a lot of people, although not many people even do that, will say, or there's a large group maybe that don't even have that, but it sounds like those that do go down that path, usually like maybe at most they're, they're taking the box and the legal aspect of things like a will. Um, walk me through, like, talk to me about like, what else do you recommend or what do you, what is, what is your program? Like, how do you walk people through that? And do you have like other components then outside of like making sure your legal boxes are, are checked? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we do. So for example, well, obviously there's the funeral, the funeral organization. Now, just think about it. You know, we spend years sometimes planning a wedding and certainly months planning maybe a, a baby christening or something like that, name celebration. But we don't, we expect people to be able to organize a funeral within a matter of days. Yeah. And there's quite a lot to organizing something like that. So it's really helpful if you thought it through beforehand and have ideally talked about it and got what you want written down. I say it's really important to get this stuff written down because you don't realize what happens with grief. When you're in the midst of grief, you are often not thinking straight. And if you have to make decisions, that can be really difficult because actually there's only one thing that you really want when somebody has died, if you've loved them, is that you want them to come back and be healthy. You don't care about anything else. So... And the more that you can do to make that time easier for that person, the better. So we go into the details of what you would want in your funeral at the moment. You know, if you're thinking about, okay, this happened to me yesterday, this is what I will want. You can always change it. Of course, really good idea to keep it updated. There's also your digital legacy. You know, what are you going to be leaving behind digitally? Because these days, if you don't take care of your what you want to have happen, after you have died online, then you will still be alive online. That can be a good thing or not such a good thing, because do you really want people to discover that you've died through some sort of uh, post right. that hasn't been very consciously done? Or do you want maybe, for example, when my husband died, Facebook was the thing for younger people. Now, he had a page. I got he, It wasn't very well populated. I just got it taken down by somebody else which fortunately they knew what to do. But he had his 16-year-old granddaughter. She died three months after he had died. It was a real tragedy. She also had cancer. Now, she had a very active Facebook page, and her father decided to keep that up for a year or so to act as a memorial page. Now, this is all sorted now in Facebook. In those days, it wasn't. And it was beautiful because people could come to that page and they could remember her and think of her. So there's some conscious decisions to be made here about your your presence online, whether it's social media or just the various accounts that you have. And sometimes these days people are appointing digital executors. So that would be somebody different maybe from the executor of the will, Mm. probably somebody who knows who's happy being online and knows about tech and stuff like that. And then there's also your what I call your living legacy. How do you want to be remembered? There's lots and lots of new initiatives now that will help you be remembered in the way that you want to be remembered. Not everybody cares about that, but it's again, it's something to make a conscious decision about. And then there's a few other bits and pieces, but um, one of the other things is with an aging population that is not necessarily staying healthy, you have to think about, okay, well, If I wasn't able to speak for myself, so maybe I'd had a stroke or I was in a coma for some reason or an accident or fell and hit my head or something, and I couldn't say what I wanted, then how do I know I'm going to get what I want? So that's like a living will. 
some people might know it is that it's also known as an advanced healthcare directive um, or an advanced decision. Same sort of thing. It's about thinking about what you want to have if you were in that kind of situation. It only comes into play if you can't speak for yourself. And it's not really nice to think about, I have to say. That's why it's a lot easier to do with a whole lot of other people um, or with somebody else helping you. But it is really helpful to your power of attorney. And the power of attorney, of course, is one of the other legal documents that you need. Somebody who can speak for you on your behalf if you can't or don't want to for whatever reason. So that's quite a lot of information I've given you all in one go there, Tom. But <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's but it's important. I'm curious, too. Do you also help people with like, um, so after the fact, too, like... Uh, so this is all preemptive. It's all like, which is obviously incredibly important. Um, but then also do you, or does your nonprofit also help people with like, um, just, I guess, dealing with the tragedy after the fact? No, we don't do that. And um, But there are plenty of people who do. Plenty of people who are out there dealing with, well, now there are, who will help you manage the estate of the person who has died. And of course, plenty of people who will help you deal with the grief, the, the emotional effects of the of the grief. No, we just focus on beforehand, which is really so the educational bit is about getting people to uh, think about this well before it's really needed yeah. so that when it is needed, it's there. Yeah, which is the, that is the tough from a business, I guess, perspective or a marketing perspective. That's the hardest thing right there. But um, yeah. that makes yeah. it very challenging. So, yeah. So now you have this this organization now. And it sounds like you're going to be stepping back from the the day to day. What does that mean? What is next then for you? And what is next then for this organization? Do you have plans to like expand? Um, it sounds like you might have another book in you. Um, I'm just curious, like where you're headed with all this. Yeah, well, in this process, I discovered that, you know, actually running the company was not my most favorite thing. And, you know, what I like to write, you know, and I was writing, but it was mostly marketing stuff, which it wasn't floating my boat. And um, and I realized that actually I just needed to take a different role. So yeah. we have two new people coming on board so that they will take, that will allow me to step back and do things that only the founder can do or things that, like this conversation is perfect for me. Nobody else could do this particular kind of conversation. So, but what it's going to give me from next year onwards is more time to actually write. And um, so this time around, I'm thinking, well, I like doing new things, right? So I've never written a novel before. So I thought, I think I'm going to write a novel. Of course, it will have death in it somewhere. <laughs> but it'll be some, I don't know, it's not, it's not going to be like the usual crime stuff. That's not what floats my boat. I don't know exactly how it will be yet, but... Um, I'm looking forward to giving myself a bit of space and time so that mm -hmm. the um, inspiration can come through easily. Yeah. Yes. And then um, what are your plans or goals for Before I Go Solutions too? Is there something that I guess the organization itself is in terms of like mission or goal or objective like that yeah. you, you all are trying to achieve here? Yeah, well, the mission has always been to have end of life plans be as commonplace as birth plans so that it's a normal and natural thing. Now, we've, we've done a lot of work, but it's been quite um, at a low level. We haven't reached huge numbers, but the new people have background with in the corporate market and they have lots of contacts there. And if we can get this stuff into companies where people are beginning to think about it in relationship to their work, in relationship to their pension, in relationship to their family, then we start to talk about, you know, really affecting thousands. And that's what we need to do. Yeah. So I'm delighted about it. Absolutely yeah. delighted. Well, it's interesting because I have, I have a client who works in um, like kind of the longevity space. And, um, you know, just it's interesting right now because we're seeing 
like this, this boom of, again, the older, older mm-hmm. generation here and now more than ever. And like, there's a term for it, I'm sure. I'm sure there's like a big trend that everybody's already perceiving the market, but that it will, will come. It's, it's going to be hitting if, if it's not hitting already. But yeah. now through the next 20 years, it's like, I, I will say like, oh, there's always opportunities. It is an opportunity, but it's just a huge need is what's there. Yeah. And that's yeah. what creates the opportunity because there's just more, more people now at these older ages who are needing more care and more help than ever before in the history of, of mankind, really. All these things are kind of coming to the head. So I, I find it fascinating being a little bit in that space right now and seeing it because I'm mm. like, yeah, it's fascinating because there's all these things that are needed um, yeah. and there is actually not. There really aren't like, there are some, like you think, I guess that there might be some generic solutions already out there. Or there's like certain things that are kind of already in place, mm-hmm. but one, I don't know if those systems are robust enough. Mm-hmm. And two, I don't think they cover the gamut of all the needs that are out there. So it's, it's very fascinating space to be in Yeah, just from a cultural perspective, right? Absolutely. Now. I mean, these next 10, 20 years are going yes. to be instrumental in how mm-hmm. we deal with older age, later life people. Yes. Um, and the systems that are going to have to be put into place or are going to be shown up to be not in place. So, you know, right. it's, it's definitely, if you like it, uh, to call it this, a growing market. And I could see that really early on. And I realized in this process that I've always been a pioneer. I like to be in at the beginning of things and then I want to go off and do something else. That's why yeah. I want to write a novel because I've never done that before. Excellent. But it will still be an educational novel. I'll bet you there'll be yeah. messages in there somewhere um, because it's at heart, I think I'm a teacher, you know. But you're absolutely right. It's like we've already seen, I've seen in the last eight years or so, but particularly the effect of COVID, all sorts of new initiatives happening. It's very exciting. I find it very exciting. Anyway, it's like, you know, and I'm somebody who's, I'm not interested in competition. I'm interested in collaboration. And at this level, this is a cultural change that has to happen. So we all need to be coming together and thinking about it and about what is needed and doing something in our own little way, in our own environment whether that be online or offline, to contribute. Yeah. And so I guess that's a great segue here. Where's the best place for people to find you, connect with you, get your books, or or even work with uh, your organization? Yeah, well, um, the website is beforeigosolutions.com. It's got everything there. There's a shop there with all the products that you can, goes from seven quid up to the training, which is a couple of thousand. Uh, then if you want to be I'm on Facebook still, but Facebook is very good for our age market. <laughs> you probably won't find me on much other social media. Um, and uh, But yeah, the website is probably the best place to go. And uh, there's freebie stuff there so that you can get a taste of what it is that we're talking about if you're interested. And uh, the listeners can find your books there too, right? They're on Amazon. You can't get the card pack on Amazon yet. That uh, And the workbook, you have to get those through our website. But um, the two books, Gifted by Grief and Before I Go, they're on Amazon and all the other places that you would expect them to be on. So Awesome. Well, Jane, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches. I appreciate you sharing your story, taking your time with us today, just telling us a little bit more about yourself and kind of what, where you've been and where you're going. And I just, again, I appreciate you. It's been great get knowing you, yeah. working together all, over all these years and just seeing the update. I love it. So thank you for yeah. so much for sharing. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been great. Thank you, Jane. And that wraps up another broadcast of In the Trenches. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a rating review. Just go to tomworkus.com slash iTunes, and that'll take you to iTunes where you can leave a five-star rating review. And that really helps spread the word about this podcast. And finally, if you need help growing your online business or generating new traffic leads and sales at a profit, reach out to me at tom at tomworkus.com or head over to the website tomworkus.com and sign up for the free newsletter. 
That's it for today. Stay frosty.